Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 78 of UAB Green and Told, original air date Monday, August 15th, 2022. This podcast gives us the opportunity to share stories from members of the UAB community. Be sure to listen back to past episodes at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app. While there, leave a written review to help more alumni find our podcast. I'm Greg Barry, a UAB alum and director in the Office of Alumni Affairs. On this episode of Green and Told, we catch up with Hafiz Shandawala, Executive Vice President and Chief Administrative Officer at Coca-Cola Bottling Company United. While his professional career has sizzled, he'll share why his childhood dreams of becoming a race car driver fizzled. I've loved uh, cars and automobiles since I was a kid. I had all the posters on the wall and always wanted to go fast. Plus, he'll discuss how he grew up here and there in various cities across the country and what it meant for his college aspirations. I actually didn't spend a lot of time in high school thinking about college, to be honest. And Hafiz will explain why he's chosen to continue to give back to the university. Kasuf family, David Kasuf in particular, was awarding the two largest scholarships at that time of the night, and my name was called for one of them. And I think I about fell out of my chair. Hafish Anawala grew up in San Francisco and New York, Boston, Charlotte, and, well, all over the U.S. As his parents moved from city to city following his father's career working to get nuclear power plants online. While he eventually settled down in Birmingham, his childhood has given him friends from all across the country. The negative side of probably moving around is really truly lack of uh, significant long-term childhood friendships. I have many friends in, in, in these various cities and, um, and with some we've kept in touch with others, you know, you fall uh, away from them. And, uh, but we try to, we try to keep in touch. It's just not the same as my children who were raised in Birmingham and they have, you know, childhood friends from grade school all the way up that they, you know, will they will have as lifelong friends. So that's probably the trade-off. Growing up, a lot of kids, you know, they say they want to be a police officer, fireman, astronaut, baseball player. What did you want to do? What did you want to become? One thing and one thing only. Race car driver. Really? I did. I remember telling my parents in my, on my fifth birthday uh, when a friend of theirs was visiting and asked me that question, I turned to them and I said, I want to be a race car driver. And I remember saying it like it was yesterday. And I remember, uh, saying it with a pretty significant amount of conviction. And they quickly went into the, uh, Indian parent culture of trying to convince me to be a doctor. Uh, so I settled for accountant. How about that? Yeah, definitely uh, different spots on the spectrum, don't you think? Right, right. Um, now, that was a, I've loved uh, cars and automobiles since I was a kid. I had all the posters on the wall, um, you know, and always wanted to go fast, whether it was on my bicycle 
um, or uh, you know any kind of motorized device. I always wanted to go fast, whether it's skiing or, or anything else. It, uh, I love speed and uh, have since I was a child, but it was uh, it was one of those desires that was never fostered as a child because I guess it was viewed as too dangerous. So at what point when you were growing up did you realize, you know what, this racing thing probably isn't going to be the, the future for Hafiz Anawala? Yeah, uh, I, I probably learned that, uh, you know, figured that out in grade school. And um, my parents had a very strong emphasis towards education, you know, a desire to uh, see me excel uh, in, in that arena because, you know, the the view was you uh, they were immigrants to the U.S. and uh, both educated and both working and, uh, you know, living the American dream, building their uh, family and um, their future together and their extended family. Some most here in the U.S., um, some still in India, and they wanted, you know, a better life for myself and my brother. And their view of that was first and foremost through education. What were the challenges of being a first-generation American growing up in the United States? Culturally, I'd say you have your feet in two worlds a bit. In, in terms of the Indian culture versus the American culture, not too different in terms of family and holidays and uh, family gatherings, etc. But there is a you know the food of course is different um the uh you know just some of the cultural norms may be a little bit different for example all of your parents friends uh are either uncle or auntie whether they're related to you or not and so i had a lot of uncles and aunties growing up um and so you know you go to school and you're in the American culture, which, you know, I was born and raised here, so that's my culture. And I go home and my parents understand that, but they didn't grow up here. So uh, some of the things that I may have brought home may have been foreign to them in terms of cultural norms. And so you just had to understand that and adapt. And I think that certainly has made me uh, adaptable to different situations, both moving around a good bit growing up, as we talked about earlier, as well as the cultural differences um, has has just made me uh, more adaptable to different situations that I get, uh, you know, when I get put into different situations, I feel like I can adapt fairly quickly. So that's a positive. It is, uh, as I have told my parents as a teenager growing up, you know, whenever they would try to steer me towards uh, something that was maybe their cultural norm growing up, I would remind them that I'm American. I would remind them that they, they chose to come here and build their life and I was born here and I'm American. So this is my culture and uh, uh, nothing wrong with it. Uh, nothing wrong with their culture in India. Uh, but it is there are there are differences and, and we just have to uh, 
accept that and um, embrace the differences and celebrate the differences. But I, but I think at the end of the day, we had a you know a, a tight family unit: uh, mom, dad, me, my brother. Not unlike any other American family. You mentioned that your parents wanted to kind of push you into the medical field. You opted to go the accounting route. Two totally different things: race cars, accounting, <laughs> medicine. Why accounting? I think I had an aptitude towards business growing up. I always liked to enjoy buying and selling things. Uh, when I was a grade in grade school in Charlotte, um, I would uh, I had a long bus commute, and uh, one of the ways I made money was I would buy candy in bulk and sell it on the bus. Uh, and we were we were bused across town. I had a 45-minute bus ride in Charlotte. Um, I, I used that opportunity to um, have a little business. Right. As I grew older, I um, traded in, in in other things, and ultimately, I think I just enjoyed the business aspect of buying and selling things and making a profit. And so, when I talked to my dad about college, he asked me what my interests were, and I quickly said business. And within business, it seemed like accounting was the best way to go versus a general business degree. Because, you know, if you know the numbers and you understand the manner in which the business works, I think you have a pretty good, well-rounded knowledge of how to help the business. Did you use that thought process with the numbers and all the analytics in the college decision? Because here you are, somebody that grew up across the country. You graduate high school in Augusta, Georgia, but you end up going to UAB. I actually didn't spend a lot of time in high school thinking about college, to be honest. When I graduated, I had stayed on my own in Augusta, Georgia, my high school year, worked and went to school. When my uh, dad and I talked about going to college, I mentioned taking a year off and a gap year, and he put his foot down and said, "No, that's not going to happen." And he said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, something in the business arena." He said, "Well, UAB has a good business school. Why don't you come to Birmingham? You can get started at UAB, and then if you want to transfer, go somewhere else. You know, go right ahead, but at least get started." And I did. And I never left. What kept you here? Because you had all that experience from different spots, so you could have spread the wings and flown a little bit. But what kept you in Birmingham and at UAB? I really felt at home. I really felt like uh, the professors cared about my success.、Um, I was、uh, working. I did get uh, uh, married in my freshman year. Had a son at the beginning of my junior year, and Just as I graduated,、uh, my daughter was born, and my professors knew that I was working significantly through college, as well as attending full-time、uh, classes. And they made a point to have a relationship with me, which I thought, you know, really being as busy as I was, 
there really wasn't time, wasn't any time to think about transferring or going elsewhere. I was trying to finish through, you know, through school to get my career started, given that I had this young family. And also, I didn't think I could replace that anywhere else. You know, I felt pretty uh, immediately at home at UAB. So why pick up and move across the country for what might be perceived to be something better when you have something really good right in front of you? Your college experience, obviously, totally different than most undergrads because you had the family. What were the challenges of juggling family with school and a job? Just time, um, a lot of time management, uh, hopping from one job to the next, to then to school and then back. Um, responsibilities with family, young family, uh, trying to, uh, you know, ensure the just getting the bills paid was a, a big challenge, and you know, making sure I was performing well enough in school that would have the opportunity for uh, quality employment upon graduation so that I could better my family's financial situation as well. And I think the, you, you, you know, we didn't get through that time without uh, my parents' support. My brother helped a lot with babysitting, um, although he was in high school and uh, we, we just, we just made it work. It was not easy, but we made it work. When you're going through UAB as an undergrad, what was the goal at that point? Racing obviously is behind you at this point. What did you want to do when you graduated? You know, I wanted to, um, start a career and provide for my family. I think that was the goal at that point. You know, once you have children, your priorities change pretty significantly and very quickly. So to ensure their health and safety and their, their financial, what's the right word, um, security. So to ensure their financial security was important. And so that really is what my focus was, particularly once my son was born. Uh, and then my daughter was born, as I said, just as I graduated and we just, I just never looked back. You just had to, um, ensure that their needs were provided for and provide uh, a, a opportunity for them to have a better life. When you graduated, what was that first career opportunity that you had? Yeah, so I worked with um, one of the jobs I had in the last two years of college was working with uh, a regional firm, Warren Averett. And I did a host of different duties with them, including an internship for a few months, which was part of my curriculum at UAB. But I got an offer from Arthur Anderson at the time and started with them in the fall of 1994. And it was a great learning opportunity, great training ground, um, excellent resources, and really thankful that I had the opportunity to go to um, Arthur Anderson. And there are folks in this community today that I went on uh, my first uh, interview with and ultimately a dinner engagement and then an office visit that I still stay in touch with today that were members of that firm who were instrumental in recommending 
me to the management of Arthur Anderson's office in Birmingham, you know, if it hadn't been for them to say, you know, we, we like Hafiz, we think you should hire him. I don't know where I'd be today because it was a, it was a great opportunity and it ultimately, although I didn't go directly from Arthur Anderson to Coca-Cola United, it, um, uh, Coca-Cola United was a client of mine while I was at Arthur Anderson and ultimately led me to here. So I have a lot, I have several folks to thank for that every time I see them. You mentioned Coca-Cola Bottling Company United joining that staff. You've been there for two decades now. What was the process of landing a job? Where did you start and how did you climb through the corporate ranks? Well, uh, you know, at Arthur Anderson, I was on the audit team and one of our clients uh, was Coca-Cola United. We actually won that engagement. Uh, so I was able to continue to come back year after year and meet the management team here at United and get to know them and kind of work my way up to where I was uh, leading the engagement with United. And then uh, left for an opportunity to be the CFO at a company called Birmingham Fastener and Supply. Then a couple of years after being there, I had a phone call from the CFO at the time at Coca-Cola United and uh, Albert Mullis. And he called and asked uh, if I would like to speak to him about an opportunity to join the team here. And my response was where and when. Because Coca-Cola United was absolutely my favorite client throughout the time that I was at Arthur Anderson. It was just a great opportunity to come to uh, a great franchise system. Uh, you know, certainly the most recognized brand in the world and to be part of a legacy Coca-Cola bottler, you know, in the Coca-Cola North America space that was formed in 1902. The legacy of the Johnson family and the Coca-Cola United footprint within the Coke system and the mark that they had left within the Coke system over hundred years uh, is immeasurable. And so the opportunity to join and be a part of that was uh, something I didn't hesitate to uh, listen to. So I came on as uh, ultimately came on as the corporate controller for the company. And then the CFO, Albert, who I mentioned earlier, decided to retire within the following year. And so one year after I'd started, I was in, asked to be the CFO of the company and essentially have been in that role for that 20 year period of time. I have taken on some additional responsibility in that period of time, both within the company and within the Coca-Cola system. And then recently took on a new role as chief administrative officer, where I've got some broader responsibilities on the administrative side of the house. Um, and we've named a new CFO. So, but it's been uh, a great opportunity and we've had the opportunity to grow our company significantly uh, over the last uh, five or six years. And that's been a, a rewarding challenge and a rewarding opportunity to be a part of that team to grow this company and to grow our uh, influence within the Coke system. When you joined Coca-Cola Bottling Company United back in 2001, how many different regions did you guys have at that time? Because you mentioned the growth. Well, we represented about 3% of U.S. bottle can volume distribution production uh, in this in, in our legacy footprint. We did have uh, territories in Louisiana through the I-10 corridor. We did have Mississippi territory. We did have um, 
Birmingham and a little bit north. We also had uh, the eastern seaboard of Georgia and some a uh, little bit of South Carolina, as well as Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is the world's first Coca-Cola bottler in 1899. The opportunity came about to refranchise the U.S. system and we, along with a couple other legacy bottlers, got involved in a transaction that we call the system of the future. And we worked with the Coca-Cola company to ultimately put together a better structure, not just from a franchise map perspective, which I'll mention in a minute, but also from the standpoint of how we interact with one another and, uh, and support one another and how we're aligned as a system with the franchisor and the franchisee. So our footprint today is uh, all the state of Georgia. We did have to exit South Carolina as part of that transaction. We still have Chattanooga, Tennessee, and a little bit of surrounding area around there that we expanded. Uh, we have most of the state of Alabama. We picked up the panhandle of Florida from Tallahassee West, um, expanded our footprint in Southern Mississippi. And then we picked up about 98% of, uh, now have 98% of uh, Louisiana, including New Orleans and um, the Northern part of Louisiana as well. So pretty significant franchise. And from a volume distribution percentage, it's about 12% of US volume. So pretty significant growth in terms of production and distribution of Coca-Cola bottle can products across the Southeast. And if I remember right, Georgia, Atlanta, home of Coca-Cola, is part of Coca-Cola Bottling United, correct? It is, and it was a wonderful opportunity, certainly one we do not take lightly, and one that we are proud to have, you know, to be asked to be the Coca-Cola bottler, both production and distribution within the Atlanta market throughout the state of Georgia where Coca-Cola bottlers around the world will come and visit with the Coca-Cola company. And if they're out in the trade, they're looking at our execution in store. And uh, it is certainly something that we don't take lightly and don't take for granted and uh, are grateful to have that opportunity to showcase our execution in the market. How did UAB set you up for success as Coca-Cola Bottling Company United expanded? from 2015 through the present? Well, I think UAB gave me a great foundational background, not just in accounting, but in business in general. I think that UAB also provided the opportunity for me to work while getting my education. So that opportunity to, to learn in the real world while getting my education was important. I think the work ethic that I saw amongst other students at UAB drove me to work harder and had, you know, me in a position throughout my career to work hard, uh, have the educational background and knowledge to bring forward together to really be a member of a team that uh, really executes at a high level. You have found it an important part of your life now to give back to the UAB community. Why is that important to you? There was a, uh, there was a professor who pulled me aside when I was about to run out of class to go to my next class or go to work wherever I was heading next. And uh, his name was Ollie Powers. And he pulled me aside and said, you know, Hafiz, you're doing well in school. And, and, and I think you need to get involved in Beta Alpha Psi, which is a honorary uh, fraternity 
uh, in accounting. And so I didn't really know what it was. I was head down working, going to school, you know, just getting through the days. And he said, this is where the firms come and look for uh, the best students and you need to get involved and you need to take a leadership role in the club. I know you're short on time, but but you need to find some time to do that. So I went to a uh, bed outside meeting and joined. I met the criteria with my grades, et cetera, and, and joined and got involved. And that really uh, set me up for a couple of things. One was in my junior year was a, uh, a very big surprise at a bed outside awards banquet where the um, Kasuf family, David Kasuf in particular, was awarding the two largest scholarships at that time of the night. And my name was called for one of them. And I think I about fell out of my chair. This was at the club at a, at a very nice banquet on a Friday night. And I had taken the evening off of work in order to attend because I was encouraged to attend, although I needed to work in order to, uh, you know, make the bills. That scholarship made a significant difference in my finances that semester and that year. And I remember telling myself then, when I can afford to pay it forward, I, I need to, and I will. And I made that promise to myself. And so that was important to me. And then there was another opportunity similar to that in the next year that um, was also a big surprise and, and helpful to me. So. At the end of the day, that was the reason why is because there's people that cared enough to help me along the way. And I need to do, I felt like I need to do the same for others. That's Hafiz Shonda Walla, Executive Vice President and Chief Administrative Officer at Coca-Cola Bottling Company United in Birmingham. Hafiz graduated from the UAB Class School of Business with a bachelor's degree in accounting in 1994. He also served on the UAB National Alumni Society Board of Directors, including a year as president. With a passion for UAB, Hafiz definitely has a good idea of what it means to be a blazer. To me, I would say a blazer is one who pushes forward through obstacles. If I think about this young university, 50 years old, and you think about its humble beginnings to where it is today, I think about a university that has pushed through obstacles in Birmingham and the surrounding areas in order for it to grow and to thrive. And I, I think about my classmates at UAB and I think about we all pushed through uh, working and going to school. And I think about the university's growth in the city. I think about athletics, you think about the decision with respect to football and it coming back. I mean, that's pushing through obstacles and the community coming together. So that's that's what it means to me, I think. And um, no excuses, just um, find a way. Be sure to listen into previous episodes of UAB Green and Told. You can find all of them at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Know someone who we should have on the podcast? Email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for UAB Alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers!